Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. I want to start today by asking you a question. How are you? In this unprecedented season, if you're only doing one thing, I hope it's taking the space and the time to be honest with God about how you're really doing. How are you doing as a parent? How are you doing as a spouse? How are you doing as a brother or a sister? How are you doing as a human? How are you doing as one of God's kids? Today, we're going to talk about all of that. Chief, the Mike Handler is the Chief Communications Officer at Awana, and he wrote an article for ResilientDisciples.com entitled, Superhuman in the Midst of a Pandemic. It's linked in the show notes, and I hope you read it because I bet it's going to be as encouraging to you as it was to me. Look, I'm very proud of the podcast in the way that we've tried to come alongside you to meet the seriousness of this moment. This is a crisis, an unprecedented crisis, a world-changing before and after kind of moment. But even in a crisis, especially around kids, it's really important that you just take the time to be. Because the fact is, you're probably doing fine. Your kids may be watching more TV than they normally do. Your work productivity may be down. You may be so tired of Zoom calls. But I think in as we have tried to apply the busyness that we are all so used to, to a situation where that busyness is physically impossible. It's created pressure that I don't think God wants for us. You know, we talk about resilient child discipleship. That starts with belonging. It starts with creating time and space for a child to be who they are at any given moment with you, a loving, caring adult. If we're going to raise a generation who will love Jesus for the rest of their lives, if right now we are working with those who will lead the church in 2050 and beyond, it is critically important that we love them to Jesus. This crisis is part of what's making them resilient, and it's a privilege that we get to be with our kids during this time. So here is my conversation with Mike Handler, episode 22 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. So, you know, my context is, uh, yeah, I'm married and we've got four kids um, from 12 to 8. Um, actually, I guess they're with us 24 hours. Their ages are 12 to 8. But uh, yeah, that was a dad joke there. <laughs> Proof of having four kids. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it's a shame we just yeah. lost half our listeners, but that was worth yeah. it. <laughs> done. Done. So, anyway, I, I, uh, I you know, as a as a parent yourself, Ross, you understand the those rare gifts of quiet moments. Uh, certainly, we're all grateful for the humans God has placed in our lives. And the the thought in my head was, you know, this is a time where our weakness as people has been exposed. Mm. Like none of us can do anything on our own power. Uh, <laughs> you know, other than washing the hands and social distancing. But it's not like, you know. The the hero is really at this point reduced to somebody who's just giving their neighbor space, amen. Or <laughs> or going six feet away from that person who you're at the same aisle with at Home Depot. I think this is a time that our humanity is a gift. And um, today, as we're recording this, I'm looking outside the window here, and it's sunny, and I'm like, I can't wait to just go outside with my kids. And it's those small things that are truly human and truly a gift from God during this time. And I think sometimes we need to be slowed down and stopped in order to realize that, you know, sunshine on a 
April afternoon is a really good thing to enjoy. Mm. Um, and it really kind of goes hand in hand with some of my most profound moments with God have been in some of the most like simplest of expressions of life. Um, I, I, it's going to sound weird and whatnot, but like one of my, one of my most vivid times of worship, the clearest times in worship that I've experienced God, it, it was actually just eating an apple. And it, it sounds so anticlimactic and it's not how I would write the story. <laughs> but I remember, I remember it was just this clear moment in time where I felt I've never experienced God in his goodness and his provision and just his generosity as how good this apple tastes and its crunch and everything else. And it's not like I was famished or coming off of 40 days of fasting or whatnot. Like <laughs> I was, I was literally at work in a very mundane type of thing. And I took this bite of this apple and I was just like, God became so real in that, in that small moment. And, um, I don't know. I think I for some of that, us, man, that's so cool. Well, <laughs> I, I think for some of us, that's this moment though. I think, I think the slowing down is, is, is a gift in times. And I, I know others have talked about this, but you know, I, I think we're getting to projects now on our list that we haven't been able to get to, you know? And I think we're like, for me, you know, I, I drive to work every day and I put my coffee in a stainless, stainless steel hydro flask. And now I'm drinking coffee out of a mug every day. <laughs> and it's such a gift. Right. And yeah, just, so, just being able to take an afternoon and hang out with my daughter. And, uh, it was during that first week of working from home that my, my eight year old was having a bad day and they had built blanket forts. So I just took time after a zoom and went into the blanket fort with my daughter. She read me a book and it was just so restorative for both of us. And I was just like, man, this is a, this is a good gift. This is so good. And I wouldn't get to experience this if I was doing my good and important and albeit far from home work when I'm at the office. Right. So yeah, just trying to take advantage and, and um, maybe advantage is the wrong word. Just trying to be cognizant uh, and appreciate the humanity that we are blessed with and the simple common grace, if you will, uh, of how God provides these things to us in our day to day. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you started there because I feel that there's folks who in a moment of a health crisis probably feel like their humanity might be a weakness. I read somewhere that, you know, the, the reason this is so different is the coronavirus is part tidal wave and part brick wall because <clears throat> so for the person who is now sort of like maybe they've sort of picked up all the pieces from when they hit the brick wall. Sure. How have you in your family with all the four kids, with all the craziness and all the, all the good old fashioned closeness uh, that comes from <laughs> you guys having to be in the same space as long as you have, how have you guys yeah. begun to uphold the rhythms and uphold the things that you want to be about in this time? Because I, my concern would be is that people here a want to talk about things like discipleship of their kids and they go, man, I'm just, I love that, but I'm just trying to get, just trying to get to them going to sleep. Right. And yeah, and totally. the way though, what I, from what I hear in you is that discipleship in your kids sometimes looks like letting your eight year old read a book to you under a blanket fort. First of all, I think one of the great blessings 
that hopefully the this pandemic will bring at least to the American church will be the fact that uh, we no longer will make an idol out of excellence. I think so for such a long time, probably since the church growth movements of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Um, you know, we play such a high level on production. And I like production. Like, I, I do. Um, uh, you know, part of my, my role at Awana uh, as chief communications officer is to create moments. Uh, I like production. But at the same time, you know, I, I think it was a Babylon Bee or who's that said something along the lines of like, you know, local churches trying to ship uh, smoke machines to, you know, uh, <laughs> worshippers' homes for Sunday mornings. And it's just like this kind of tongue-in-cheek satirical way of, of kind of going after the fact that, you know, I think one of the blessings here is the fact that we're now just in our homes. There's no, like, you know, there's no highlight reel at this point. We're all just doing the thing. There's yeah. there's no lasers. There's nothing like that from a church <laughs> production standpoint. You know, um, authentic worship is taking place off key around the dining room table. I think, you know, the, I think authenticity is winning the day. The fact that there is now no other option. One of the, mm-hmm. one of the first memes that I saw was said something like it's day three and I'm already tired of babysitting my mom's grandkids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny, yeah. but you're right. We've taken, we've taken, so I, I was talking with a good friend of mine yesterday, you know, we're working on the resilient documentary together and, uh, Which people can also see the, on the resilientdisciples.com, the preview. One of the things that was brought up yesterday in our conversation together was we have maybe for far too long subcontracted out the faith of our children. Mm. You know, for far too long, we have subcontracted out the discipleship of our kids to professionals. We are forced through this pandemic to move ministry from the trained professional to the average parent. And there's beauty in that. And there's frustration, and we're not going to get it right, you know. Um, But my goodness. Ross, it has been it's been a really beautiful thing to have my daughters lead us in worship around and after dinner. And it's not like, you know, it's not it's not brilliant. They're not, you know, they're not making a Hillsong album over here. But uh but they're they're they are truly loving singing and leading us in song about Jesus, about you know, how good God is, about these things, and they're not it's yeah, it's just authentic. You know, and and, yeah. and they can do it. And the fact of the matter is, too, because I feel like I need to say this, because as we talk about resiliency, we have to we have to not just say it's going to be OK. Yes, inevitably it will. You know, God is coming back and he's, he's you know, going to restore all things. And for those who trust in Jesus, it, it will be all OK. But the fact of the matter is, in order for us to get there. We're going to experience some pretty horrendous things in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. There's a mortality rate that's going to climb. Death is going to be more present and imminent in our lives and in the lives of our kids than possibly it's been for us. That we, since you know, I'm 40. Uh, I've, I've there's never been, you know, field hospitals set up in Central Park in my lifetime until now. Right. Um, hospital beds have never been at a premium like they are now. 
um, you know, mortality is going to be a lot more on the forefront, is a lot more on the forefront. Yeah. And we've got to be able to talk about that. And that's a gift of our humanity as well, to be honest, to be able to talk about death and to talk about even in that we don't have to be afraid, but we can't skirt around it. We can't say it's going to be okay because we don't know. Um, we don't know if, you know, one of our kids' teachers may catch COVID-19 and end up dying. Like we just, we don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a, there's an honesty again that needs to present itself in this time and does present itself in this time. And, and we need to embrace it. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, don't dress like Alice Cooper and, you know, put on some sort of goth show for your kids per se. But like, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, to be able to say, you know, this, this is, this is scary. Like name the thing. Your, your kids are a lot more clever than you probably give them credit for. Yeah. They're, they're sensing this. Name the thing. This is, this is scary. We're seeing a lot of scary things out there, you know, and, and that's why grandma and grandpa aren't coming over because they're high risk. What does that mean? You know, there, there's a virus out there that's very dangerous and grandma and grandpa can catch it, but you know what? We're, we're taking precautions. So we're doing zoom calls over lunch with them. You know, we're doing all these other things in order to try and bring about that community, but do so in a way that is loving. And in this moment, loving is space. Loving is wisdom. Loving is not being a threat to others by being a carrier or a contagion on your block or your local supermarket or wherever you might be. Yeah. I think what I've seen, there's a very like practical on the ground version of this question, but I do think it's, it's helpful to discuss this even in more broader strokes. I've seen a lot of proud Facebook posts of big wallpaper size schedules that they've mapped out for their kids. That Gracious. Up- yeah. And I've seen a lot of pushback to stuff like that. We're basically saying, you know, we ha- our kids are have are facing more pressure than they ever have, that it's important for them to rest. It's important for them to do, you know, to not have to be confined to a routine and those kinds of things. And obviously there's some level of truth within the middle. Um, but yeah. I'm curious how you begin to to find that balance, because, you know, for me as a young dad with my four year old, I know that she is going to push back against certain levels of structure, but that I can objectively understand that the structure is beneficial to her. So yeah, totally for you and your kids, but just in general, like what you've seen be successful for people, particularly in the lens of discipleship, how are you finding that balance between saying to your daughters, Hey, how about you guys lead worship versus just letting that moment organically happen? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have this all figured out where I think that's the beauty and curse of parenting. <laughs> like of you're course. figuring it out. on yeah. the fly. And I, I actually faced this choice the other day. You know, we, we try to give our kids only one thing they don't get to eat every year. So, you know, like if you're going to choose, like for my son, it was, he doesn't want to eat sweet potatoes. Okay. But you got to eat everything else we put in front of you. Uh, at least this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting, and in theory it works, and then there's sometimes where it doesn't work. And sure. The other day was one of those times, and he chose not to eat something else, and I was like, but you already made this choice. So, you know, now this is the new thing. And long story short, we had sweet potatoes the other day, and he threw kind of like a little just, you know, disagreement about, uh, this was my thing. No, you changed your thing, Griff. You can't do that. Well, at the end of the day, Ross, I don't want my son to have to go to counseling because I made him sweet potatoes. It doesn't matter. Um, like it doesn't 
it's a yam. It's like, why am I making this big deal out of it? And people would say, well, it's about principle. And it's about, yeah, I guess, but my goodness. I mean, Episode can't title. grace. It's a yam. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't grace cover that. Amen. And, um, and I think in this time where we need to rely so much more on grace, our laundry budget is down considerably because my kids, they don't get dressed now. They're just like in pajamas all the time. It's okay. They go outside in the backyard in pajamas. It's fine. It's fine. Like, it's okay. We're doing fine. And I think why stress about those small things? Who cares? Who cares? You know, and, and I think that's a great gift. This is, again, in our humanity, we're all at the same point of just being like, there's nothing I can do about this. There's, we're stuck here at home. We're going to make the best of it. We're going to, you know, draw little hopscotch squares on the sidewalk. So kids who walk by can have fun. We're going to, you know, create silly little things. We're going to build blanket forts. We're going to annoy our mom and dad sometimes because, you know, they're on zoom and we're on zoom or I need to get on whatever. Like it doesn't matter. It's fine. We're just dealing with it, but we're doing so because we know God is bigger than this. Absolutely. And that is a, that is a benefit of our faith, but it is also um, a benefit of, of wisdom in this moment. You list a few different things in the article and I, I think it's important for people to, to take something like this piece that you wrote on resilientdisciples.com. Um, and begin to find the things that make sense within their context and what make sense within their own kids and themselves and their own humanity. Have you and Aaron, have you guys begun to develop like, have you found a new normal or are you still finding a new normal? Because one of the sort of unique circumstances with this crisis is that every week by week, it looks different minute by minute. It looks different. And that is obviously always true, but we are so much more hyper aware of it because we are measuring the extent of the crisis based on the magnitude over time. So have you guys, Mm -hmm. have you guys found a new normal? Like what does this normal look like? Cause I would imagine that when your kids had to go to school, you didn't necessarily, you would fight them on wearing pajamas in the backyard. Yeah, no, we, we probably wouldn't espouse to saying that was a successful day. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like they wore pajamas to school, although that has happened. Of course. Um, yeah, I think we're trying to. I don't think we're there yet. Um, but I guess if I'm understanding your question correctly, it's actually have we found a new normal, not have we found perfection? Um, and that normal is probably always in process. Um, we tr- Like today, we're, you know, we're, we're going to go on a walk. We try to do, Erin's really good about this. She, she tries to do one-on-one walks with our kids to provide to them space. You know, they're all stuck here too. They're, they they don't get to have the space for one another. They can go to their rooms and stuff, but, you know, our three our three girls share rooms, so, you know, they're, they're together. So, yeah, we're trying to establish space. We're trying to establish regular communication with cousins, you know, like, hey, we're going to do a FaceTime. We're going to do a Zoom meeting with cousins. With, with, you know, peers as well. Um, we always eat dinner together. Now I'm just not late to it. <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, that's been, that's been good. Um, I will say we're a lot more patient. I don't know where that comes from. I don't, I don't understand the math on that, but I think it's probably because we're not rushing to go anywhere. Yeah. 
Um, One of my favorite you know, lines no, of the piece was, we cannot speed, there's nowhere to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's no destination that we're late to getting to at this point. Like, I can't even get my hair cut. <laughs> like, you know, um, and I have this sense, Ross, that this is such a gift and I don't want to squander it. I don't want to waste it. I want to be able to hold hands with my daughters, you know, as we're just kind of laying on the floor under a blanket that she's reading me a book. I want to, I want to be able to, you know, just snuggle my youngest daughter and, and just get as many hugs and kisses during this time as I can, because I'm not late for work. I don't have to battle traffic. I don't have to, you know, get a kid to a sporting event or a practice or, and like these things that are not any of them inherently bad, none of them inherently bad. Right. But I also understand that, you know, there's only be so many days that we're quarantined together. And it's not to say that it's not, you know, my kids have certainly displayed their humanity. And so have I in less than ideal ways during this time. I'm only two weeks in. Um, but man, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting better at it. We're getting better at it. And I hope that we're getting better at this because we're also getting better at doing life outside of this as well. The value in the time is to say how will it apply to life outside or post, you know, COVID-19. That to me is, it's an important thing to talk about. It, it again speaks to the uniqueness of this crisis, right? Because one episode up in this, in your podcast feed is a conversation I had with Ed Goshen. And yeah, which was brilliant, by the way. Really good. Oh, thanks. Um, the More Ed, really, but yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> Notice I paused long enough because I was like, there's something else coming. Um, no, the thing with Ed that I found particularly just like a really important observation was uh, there's been a lot of comparisons about this compared to 9-11. Um, sure. And how we all have so much more time to think about our decisions as parents, as disciple makers generally, um, while understanding that the world is now profoundly different than it was before this, there is an after this. When you look at some of the things that you've been able to do in the past couple of weeks, how do you envision being able to maintain some of this? How do you begin to know what can stick and what is for this time? Because what is for this time is also a good thing. Yeah, I don't think you can look at anything with scarcity. Um, I hope for us, there's, there, I, I hope it comes to to play in our, you know, quote unquote, back to normal reality in quite a few ways. One, I hope that my kids would understand during this time where they didn't get to have everything they wanted, that that's, that's a, a reality for a number of people around the world, for a majority of people around the world. You know, we you go to the stores, right? And all your basic things aren't there right now, but you can still get stuff like, you know, I, I had to get dark brown sugar instead of light brown sugar because we wanted to, you know, make cookies. Well, you know what? For for uh, the majority of the world, that's not even a thing. And I hope that my kids understand that they live in a, you know, universal kingdom where there are those who, even in God's goodness, don't have what they may choose to have or want to have. Uh, th- that's just not their reality. But it doesn't mean God loves them any less. And it doesn't mean that he loves us anymore. Um, these are just the situations that we're in and the corruption that humanity and sin in our humanity brings to the table. 
so I, I hope that we're able to have a kind of a little bit more of a realistic understanding of our privilege, uh, not even outside the U.S., but even within the U.S. Uh, like yeah. we we live in a pretty privileged time and an era. And I and I, Aaron and I have always been very desirous of our kids to not take their stuff for granted. Mm. Um, I hope that this helps with that. I also hope that it allows Aaron and I, quite frankly, to, to not be slaves to perfection. Um, you know, social media, although I've given up Instagram for Lent, which sounds like a silly thing to do, but, uh, <laughs> but social media has really just allowed us to, to have perfection on display all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, not even social media, like let's, let's even cut social media break the internet connectivity. Yeah, availability of of perfection has never been more accessible than today. Yeah, I you know, if you were to buy a TV twenty years ago, you would go to the store, look at the TVs, and think, okay, which of these is going to a fit my place and b I can afford. Yep, like that's that's kind of like that would have been the the decision matrix. And now today you go and, you know, you go to a hundred different sites, you look at, you know, brand comparisons, you look at all the stuff and you get, you get lulled into, if you're not careful to see what it has the best amount of pixel display and all this stuff, like how many billions of colors can I get? You know, even though my mind can't actually process all those or whatever, like, (laughs) and you won't settle for you know, you, you try not to settle. You try and go after the biggest, the best. And yet at the same time, um, again, not only do so many not have that choice or availability or option, but uh, but do we really need it? Yeah. Like, do we really need it? No, you can be educated. Certainly, if you're going to steward your money in certain ways, you should do it to the best of your ability. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that hopefully, again, perfection is not something that we continue to be slaves to, even in terms of trying to get that perfect moment it doesn't matter yeah yeah like your kids aren't gonna look at your instagram feed and say wow we really lived a good life like they're gonna know all the nooks and crannies of imperfection and sanctifying moments of reality and be like yeah you know that we mom and dad tried i hope there's more grace for ourselves um you know even our conversation here ross like Aaron and I are trying to extend an enormous amount, which is probably just a realistic amount of grace to ourselves. Um, We're not trying to be lax with our parenting. In fact, I'd say we're probably trying harder than ever before. We're now responsible for, you know, every single moment of their days. So that's, that's, that's more. (laughs) That's just more parenting that we're doing. And yet at the same time, I think we're doing it with probably more grace um, not fighting about the things like eating sweet potatoes. <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, and I know that there are principle-based people and I love principle-based people. I am not one of them. Right. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the addition of grace or the, the, the acceptance, that's probably the better word, the acceptance of grace for ourselves in our imperfection with our trying, hopefully will be something too that we can not just extend to ourselves, but extend to one another and extend to our kids. I'm, my wife and I are both firstborns. We're, I know I'm particularly hard on my son, whom I love greatly. 
maybe, hopefully, some of the fruit of this will be not only can I extend to myself more grace, but I can extend to my son more grace as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, to those principal people, you're not talking about anarchy, right? You're, you're no. Not to, yeah. You know, you, I do think that there is a, there is a, a lens that this time can bring of what really matters of our humanity, of our identity as sons and daughters of Jesus, that, 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 that is the first horse out of the gate. It doesn't mean that there's not others behind it, but that this gives us an opportunity because all else is stripped away. The place that I think it's, it's helpful to land here is you, what you just talked about was a lot of what you hope your family looks like after the coronavirus. And I'm curious yeah. how you see uh, the correlations between what you hope your family looks like and what you hope the church and in particular children's ministry looks like mm-hmm. after the season. Because I think you as someone who has spent a lot of time thinking about what the church of 2050 really looks like, what do you think, what do you think church looks like in 2050 in light of the coronavirus, but even what do you think church looks like whenever we're on the other side of this thing? Wow. What a good question. Thanks. A, a guy hired me to ask good questions. <laughs> uh, I think church in 2050, that's probably easier to go long range than short range because it just is. Yeah. Um, my hope would be post coronavirus. The church in 2050 is a church that is a lot more at ease with humanity. And I don't mean like lax on sin. I don't, that's not what I mean. Right. But accepting of imperfection. The church in 2050 is a lot more aware of the fact that, you know, effort is required. <laughs> uh, the church in 2050 hopefully is a lot more cognizant of the needs of the neighbor and the neighborhood and the beauty of community and the simplicity of a dinner and not growing at all costs from a standpoint of spread or distance. Although I, those are both very important, but depth, you know, we're, we're just going through John 14 as a family around dinner. Like it's simple. It's not hard. Let's not overcomplicate things. And my hope is that that becomes kind of a lasting pillar of the church. Mm. As far as the church, you know, post COVID-19, whether that's in, you know, three weeks, three months or whatever it might be, like, I I really hope that we enjoy one another. Mm. Like, I hope that we find such pleasure in just seeing one another, hearing somebody else sing, like shaking someone's hand, although I'm sure that we'll have some uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome after this, (laughs) but, uh, like my hope is that you know you'll miss how people sounded in person and how you know that environment smelled and the height of the ceiling in the sanctuary or you know just those those things you took for granted hopefully we don't take for granted any longer my hope is that communion will taste even better when we get to take it together again there's just warmth. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just, there's just this excitement to worship Jesus with his people. Um, that's what we tell our kids. You know, there, there have been times where they talk about going to church and we say, this is what we do. We just worship Jesus with his people. Now, over the past few weeks, although it's felt like a lifetime, if we're all honest with ourselves, right? <laughs> like over the past few weeks, that's been via video. Right. 
um, which is fine. It's it's fine. We've got that technology. Like, thank God for that. But it'll be good to worship Jesus with his people in person. And here's the thing, Ross, in some parts of the world, that's not an option. Yeah. And it won't be post to this disease. So what have we learned about our brothers and sisters who can't? What have we learned about those who have to wor- whisper worship songs because they can't sing them? Because they're in high-risk areas. My hope would be that authenticity wins the day. That, you know, sitting next to that tone-deaf, you know, offbeat individual in your sanctuary or auditorium is actually more of a blessing than a curse. Amen. And that, you know, as you, as you follow that worship leader, that you just take in a moment and enjoy worshiping with others in person and enjoy hearing the preaching of God's word in person and be also firmly and very aware of the fact that there are many in the world where that can't be their reality. Well, what we've been experiencing, even in our isolation, is still better than what they get to experience in their everyday. Our blessing and curse as humans is our perspective and the fact that it's limited. Right. Like you and I honestly cannot say we're recording this right now at 408. Like we can't say what's going to happen at 410. Right. <laughs> but, but that, that, that can feel, my goodness, very scary, but it could also just be like, it's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to love 408 cause that's where we're at right now. And I'm going to do my best in 408. Um, not knowing what 410 might bring. Yep. COVID-19 isn't about as much as it's about you as an individual or me as an individual and my family and kind of the isolation that we feel and our social distancing from others, it's larger than that. It's a pandemic and um, we're all going through it. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.